Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And today is really exciting because we're going to talk about a real dinosaur this week, (laughs) the Spinosaurus. Yeah, we noticed last week we actually started on a a non-dinosaur, quote-unquote dinosaur. So yeah, we'll we'll do a a real one today, just, just for fun. Yeah, and this is like dinosaur dinosaur Mm -hmm. to me this is up there with the t-rex but oh yeah first as usual i'll tell you about the spinosaurus in the game so if you bring a spinosaurus fossil to blathers he'll say ahem yes the spinosaurus was a very large carnivorous dinosaur roughly the size of a t-rex unlike its more famous cousin however spinosaurus seems to have spent a great deal of time in water Similar to modern crocodiles, this creature lived on a diet of fish and land-dwelling animals. Personally, I am simply relieved that it did not seek flying prey. (laughs) I didn't realize that it's the size of a T-Rex. That's really interesting. Yeah, you know, and it's actually bigger. They're thinking it's bigger, which is kind of alarming. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a really cool dinosaur, not just because... It's a very, like, classically, like, you're going to have a toy of this dinosaur next to your T-Rex kind of situation, but, like, it's also got so much paleontological drama behind it and controversy, and it's all, like, brand new controversy, so. Well, not brand new. There's some old stuff, but, like, uh, there have been some really new discoveries that you may have heard of. But before we get to all that Spinosaur drama, just kind of about the group in general. So Spinosaurus is kind of one species, And there's a group, a family group of what they call Spinosaurids. And those have been found around the world. And they all look very, very similar. They've got that long snout that looks kind of like a crocodile. And of course, that very distinct sail. So like the the crest on their back. Now, they were found in the Cretaceous, as were many of those very popular dinosaurs that we think of, like T-Rex. And they were a type of theropod, which is the group where most of those famous carnivorous dinosaurs were. And that fan-like display, going back to that, is where they got their name, the Spinosaurus, because the sail inside was built by these thick, long bones and uh, would make that nice shape. And they were thought to be some kind of either a display for attracting mates or communicating with other members of the species, or maybe they were used for intimidating other creatures that might challenge them. So it definitely makes them look a lot bigger. It's kind of that whole idea of animals in the wild puffing up to look all big and intimidating. So it's thought that that was likely a very colorful part of their body, because again, they really want to show off. So it would have made sense for that to be colorful, but... Of course, we can't really tell that right now, but it is a cool idea. And as I mentioned before, they were probably longer than the T-Rex. So T-Rex was usually about like 40 feet long and the Spinosaurus was 50 feet long uh, at at the biggest estimates. So that's like longer than a school bus, which is really, really enormous. And yeah, so they, they were quite ferocious looking and they had a lot of really unique features that we'll talk a little bit about later that may have actually made them aquatic, like what uh, Blathers was saying. Do you know how tall they were with the with the sail? The sail itself was about six feet tall, is what wow. I read somewhere. I don't know how tall in total, especially because there seems to be some debate as to how they would have stood 
like you see a lot of depictions of them kind of walking around on all four legs because their back legs were quite short and their center of balance was a little bit more forward, which again leads into this idea that they were more adapted for swimming potentially. But the very early depictions of Spinosaurus have it upright like, uh, you know, T-Rex or something. That's, yeah, that's not what I'm imagining, I guess, because the T-Rex yeah. has such little arms, so of course it would have had to be... Spinosaurus had, like, I don't know, like, normal arms? I don't know how to describe that. Like, not weirdly shrunken arms. They were fine. <laughs> they were good for kind of bearing weight, I guess. I think. Actually, I don't know if that's a real fact. Anyway, in the paleo art, they're often drawn as, as being on four, four limbs. So can you tell us a bit about how they discovered the Spinosaurus? Yeah, so the Spinosaurus we're specifically talking about is Spinosaurus aegypticus. As I said before, there are multiple different species in the family, but this is the most famous one. So back in 1915, over 100 years ago, this German aristocrat Ernst Freer Strummer von Reichenbach, I don't know how to say that, but that's my best guess. That sounded good. Yeah, I, I Reichen, well, I'm not going to say it again, it's going to be Anyway, uh, <laughs> so this guy described the first spinosaurid holotype, and holotype is the word that paleontologists use to talk about a specimen that defines a species. It's like the first thing that's found for paleontologists to definitively say, hey, this is a new thing. So holotype. So he took drawings and notes of it and brought it back to Germany, which took a lot of effort because, of course, it was World War I around then, and he had found this in Egypt. So it was eventually housed in the Bavarian State Collection of Paleontology. This is where it gets really juicy and also kind of tragic for poor Stromer. So the Nazis eventually came to power and Stromer refused to join the Nazi party and continued to work with Jewish scientists and colleagues. But because he was German aristocracy, he couldn't really be directly harmed, but the Nazis did send his sons to battle where eventually two of them died, and one of them was taken as a Soviet prisoner of war. At this time, too, his collection was at this museum in Germany near the Nazi headquarters, and at the time, a lot of the museums in Germany were sending their collections to caves, to salt mines, and Stromer wanted to send his collection to a cave as well to make sure it was protected, but the museum was directed by a Nazi who refused to move any of his collection. And in 1944, the museum was bombed and the holotype was lost as well as much of Stromer's work. And so that was the last of the Spinosaurus holotype. So it's really a tragic story. And Stromer died before his, his son was released from the Soviet Union too. So he died having basically lost three sons and his life's work. So it's a really tragic story. It is unbelievably sad. Especially because this is, this is a hero. Like he, he refused to join the Nazis and he was doing this work and wanted to protect it and everything like he just sounds like a good guy and mm -hmm. oh yeah it's really tragic to lose all that material yeah I'd be curious I think there's a book about him somewhere out there and I'd be curious to read it because it's it made him sound like kind of a complicated guy but it, it would be interesting to read for sure especially because you have this German aristocrat who decided to dedicate his life to paleontology that mm -hmm. to me sounds intriguing so a little bit of a story there that might be worth digging into but 
Since then, Spinosaurids have been found around the world, in South America, in Asia, in Europe, but we still hadn't found the same species of Spinosaurus, that, that holotype species. Now, flash forward to basically now, in April, a new paper was released about incredibly complete Spinosaurid skeleton. Not fully complete, but you know, for, for a fossil, it's pretty darn impressive. So this discovery was in Morocco, in a, in a place called Chemchem. It's the Chemchem site. And it's kind of right on the border between Morocco and Nigeria. And it's an incredibly popular place to hunt for fossils. There's this beautiful like red sand. It's incredibly hot. It's in the Sahara. And it used to be an ancient riverbed. So that's why there's so many fossils there now. Ancient rivers fossilized a lot of things because of the nature of decomposition there. Now, it's a really popular place for fossil hunting, not necessarily by paleontologists, but by private fossil hunters who go and will sell what they find to private collectors as well as paleontologists. So it, it's kind of an interesting situation there. It's, it's a very important place for employment locally, but it's also kind of in a, an academically ethical, maybe also legally gray area. I had to do more research on this. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of information online, but I kind of read hints in other places that this was kind of a... It's one of those interesting, weird, maybe illicit fossil areas. I didn't know that there were private fossil hunters to that extent. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of crazy. Like, I remember there was like a National Geographic article about it and yeah there are lots of people who will buy large fossils and wholesalers will, will sell things like shark teeth or ammonites or things like that um, so it's definitely a big business and it can be sometimes difficult because you can potentially be having a lot of scientifically important things being found that are being sold to private collectors and not being brought to museums. Anyway, so this is how uh, Nizar Ibrahim initially got a hold of his first Spinosaurus bones, and he was the lead author of this paper that just came out in April. So he found he bought these bones from one of these fossil hunters, and they were like in a cardboard box. He got them, and then years later he went to Italy where he was shown these bones in like a paleontologist basement, apparently, and they were pretty sure they were also spinosaur bones. And he realized that these spinosaur bones were probably from the same individual that he had and that this Italian paleontologist also had. So they decided, okay, we've got to go back and find where this site was. But the problem was they didn't have any access to the guy who had sold them these bones. They didn't know his name. They like didn't know where to find him, didn't have a number or a company. And according to Ibrahim, the only thing he could remember about this guy was that he had a mustache. So not a lot to go off of, especially when you're trying to get grant funding from National Geographic. But kind of by like sheer luck, they found this guy literally walking on the street. Like they just recognized him and were like, there he is. At least that's the story that he tells. Part of me is like, that cannot be real, but he swears by it, so. And yeah, they convinced this guy to show them the site and they dug up eventually this amazing fossilized skeleton of the of the spinosaur. And this is the same spinosaur that the German guy found and then was it was destroyed? Yeah, yeah, the spinosaur Egypticus is what it's called. So yeah, it was the same same species. And eventually they called it basically the neotype, which means 
as I was explaining before, the holotype is the original specimen. Neotype is a term associated with basically when you're something happened to the old old specimen, maybe it wasn't good enough, but on occasion they'll sort of assign a new holotype, a new specimen that's the reference point. And that's when they call it a neotype. So this is the neotype of Spinosaur aegypticus. Okay, so that's exciting. And just such a crazy story. Just a lot of coincidences happening there. It really is. I'm like, I feel like it's luck after luck. And I, I'm kind of amazed that it, it all fell together in the way that it did, that they could actually make this discovery. Yeah, and then I guess now that contemporary paleontologists can study this fossil what did they actually discover or figure out about the spinosaur yeah so they their main finding from this was that they they found an amazing tail that was not found before that they didn't know about and this is kind of what's causing a lot of the drama right now is that for many, many years, people have always said, you know, dinosaurs are terrestrial organisms. They don't really spend much time in the water. They're definitely not aquatic. A lot of the things we think of as aquatic are things like plesiosaurs or mosasaurs, but they were not dinosaurs. They were reptiles. And there have been some ideas that some species may have, like hadrosaurs or things, may have been somewhat aquatic or semi-aquatic. But those have been dismissed at this point. So for a long time now, like at least a decade, they've been like quite certain that dinosaurs are terrestrial and and that is a rule. But this tail, sorry, I didn't explain what was unique about the tail. The tail, it is basically a, a, a swimming tail. Like it is, it reminds me a lot of a tadpole tail because it's kind of flattened. And they, it has like, kind of like on their back, they have the spikes. On the tail too, they have spikes going down it that give the impression that there is sort of um, a thinner skin on the the top. So it's very, very much like a crocodile tail as well, that kind of propelling tail. So it suggests that aquatic behavior. So in the past, what they knew about Spinosaurus was that it had that long long snout, much like a crocodile, which definitely insinuated... Oh, and and their teeth were, were conical and again, like a crocodile, lots of comparisons to crocodilians here, that insinuated a fish diet. So they were going, okay, well, we've got this um, as evidence. Their feet were also pretty broad and wide, similar to some other aquatic animals. Their bones, too, are quite dense compared to other dinosaurs, which may suggest that they had that to, to make them less buoyant and make them swim better. So a lot of these things, a lot of this evidence suggested that maybe they were meant for a shore habitat. Maybe they were something like a heron, which would sort of stand on the edge of the water and maybe wait a bit and like attack their food from there, but they wouldn't really be swimming. Now, what this tale suggests is that, okay, maybe they actually were swimming through the water. Maybe they were like a, a crocodile and they were a river predator. So that's the conclusion drawn from this paper. Now, as I said before, claiming that dinosaurs spent large parts of their lives in water is not a new idea, but it has turned out to be wrong in the past. So understandably, if there's a big new idea like this, that could potentially change a lot of assumptions that are held in the field. You can imagine there would be a lot of backlash or people who wouldn't necessarily agree. So there are some people who think, no, this isn't enough evidence. There are some people who think, okay, this is pretty good evidence, but 
can we necessarily say they were a river predator, they were swimming around. We don't know to what degree they were aquatic. So that's still a little bit of a mystery and still being debated. And this paper came out in April. So there's a lot of discussion still to be had. This paper came out in the journal Nature. It's a really big deal <laughs> to be published in Nature. And so, yeah, it, it's kind of stirred up the paleontological world quite a bit. But I, I think it's pretty exciting. And oh, and I forgot to mention, too, when they found this tail and they put it together, what they did was they created a model and they wanted to kind of compare the performance of this tail with other dinosaurs and other uh, even living animals so like crocodiles and salamanders and they sent it to a lab at harvard which created like a little plastic model and they put it in a pool with kind of a little robot machine and they filmed the way that this model tail would move underwater and they found that the tail was really good at propelling spinosaurus through the water much better than a regular theropod tail would and it performed very similarly to uh, other aquatic animals so that's some more evidence potentially for this aquatic lifestyle that is really interesting i didn't realize that that kind of discovery would be such a big deal in the whole like realm of dinosaurs i didn't realize that this is quite unique yeah and it's really stirred things up because there's yeah there's nothing like it and I don't know, I'm also weary of these like grand statements that this paper made, but also it's so cool. Like if you see a picture of what this tail is supposed to look like, it, it truly does look like so many of those aquatic animals we've seen. It's, it's just so wide and like, I really personally, in my unprofessional paleontologist opinion, I definitely believe that they, they were probably very strongly aquatic, but that's also just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, what an interesting history this species has had. Oh, and I was going to say, too, I just looked at the picture of Spinosaurus in Animal Crossing, and I was like, oh my god, this study is so new. And they did a great job in Animal Crossing of being scientifically accurate, but this, this study is so new that if you look at the fossil tail in Animal Crossing, it's like a pointy, regular theropod tail, like a, like a T-Rex. It's not the aquatic tail. So they might have to update that. Yeah, they're going to need to update that. We've got to let Blathers know. <laughs> we'll have to send an email to Animal Crossing. Excuse me. Yeah, just send the this nature article. Yeah. <laughs> Do not see. Animal Crossing can make the definitive decision about whether they are they were aquatic or not. Mm -hmm, yeah, th they'll be the deciding factor. I trust Blathers to decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'll end this discussion once and for all. <laughs> well yeah thank you so much olivia it was nice to have you back on the helm i enjoyed hearing <laughs> that story and thank you to everyone for listening please rate and review us if you can and don't forget to subscribe it would mean a lot to us and yeah tune in next week to learn more about the insects fish and fossils you can find in animal crossing new horizons bye bye